0: Welcome to the Wellness and Healthy
1: Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Now here's your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Welcome to the show, I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Today we're diving into a topic that's not only close to my heart, but also close to our heart here on the East Coast, the Blue Mind. This concept explores the profound impact that being near, in, on, or underwater has on our emotional, psychological, and overall wellness. With us today is Dr. Wallace J. Nichols, a marine biologist and a New York Times best-selling author of the book The Blue Mind. He'll help us explore the science behind why water can make us happier, healthier, more connected, and better at what we do. As someone who frequently hikes along the East Coast Trail, loves to sail and fish, I've personally experienced the therapeutic effects of being surrounded by water. These activities aren't just hobbies, but they're an integral part of our culture and lifestyle here where we live in Newfoundland and Labrador. They connect us to our environment and to each other, and they offer a unique form of wellness that's readily available to us on our island. In this episode, we'll discuss how our connection with water enhances our lives, the cognitive, emotional, psychological, social, and even spiritual wellness benefits it provides, and how by embracing blue spaces around us, we can improve our health and well-being. This conversation is especially relevant to us here at home, where water is a constant and vital presence. So let's get to our conversation with Dr. Nichols and learn how we can tap into The Blue Mind. Hi, Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good to connect again. I love it, I mean, who would've thought? I mean, first time we connected, we ended up connecting all the way across the world in Hawaii to talk about your book, which I've been a huge fan of for a long, long time. And now we've reconnected to have a more in-depth chat where we could get a little bit more philosophical, and have a bit more time. You've been busy lately, haven't you?
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a busy life and there's things to do, so yeah. It's It's been a, <laughs> a bit of a whirlwind, but as usual, you too, you're always on the go. Well,
1: that's the way you should be. You know, you got good stuff to share, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about your book, which is coming up to its 10-year anniversary, and it's called The Blue Mind. Maybe you could give our listeners a bit of a synopsis about the book.
0: Yeah, so the name of the book is Blue Mind, and that, that's just a phrase that refers to the wellness benefits of water in every form, but really focused on the emotional health benefits and you know of course water is good for hydration and hygiene we need it for our physical existence it's also the source of life but it is also one of the best ways to calm yourself down to boost your creativity to uh, connect with people you love to reconnect with nature maybe even to build up your courage and your compassion and those are the the topics that explore the cognitive, emotional, psychological, social, and even spiritual wellness benefits that water provides, assuming that the water is in good shape. It all goes out the window when we trash the water. So we'll get to that. Um, So blue mind is a, a phrase that refers to something you probably have experienced all your life. It's probably very familiar if you're listening here, but now it has a name, basically.
1: Yeah, and I love that philosophy. There's lots of ways that we can gain an appreciation for water. Where we live in Newfoundland and Labrador, we're surrounded by water. It's something that's literally 100 meters from my house. But you have a unique perspective because you actually came from this world from a professional lens and then also the personal perspective. Why don't you give us a bit of background on your career?
0: Yeah, so I... I started my you know, professional and academic career as a marine biologist, studying sea turtles, studying migration, studying genetics, and then studying all the things that sea turtles get clobbered by out in the world, whether it's coastal development or pollution, climate change, overfishing, et cetera. And that it was a good career. I love I being a marine biologist, but I always noticed that... Whenever I was at the water, I felt better. Whenever my friends and family and colleagues were at the water, I noticed that they moved into this different mind state. And I recall that as a kid, uh, probably the reason I became a marine biologist was that love of that feeling. I wanted more of it. I wanted it to be part of my life. And so I went down that road. So I was wondering about the, the science of that feeling. And originally I went looking for a book about it, because I thought there's got to be a book about your brain on water, right? Because there were books about your brain on music, your brain's ability to change neuroplasticity, your brain on happiness, neuromarketing, neuroeconomics, just big section of the library. So I thought, ah, there's got to be a book about your brain on nature and your brain on water in particular. And I looked and I looked and I looked and couldn't find that book that I wanted to read. Um, I didn't want to write it I wanted to read it and then I ended up hitching it the idea of writing it to a guy named Dr. Oliver Sachs, who had written a wonderful book called Musicophilia which is essentially your brain on music and he he was a, a lifelong music and water lover great neurologist brilliant writer um, I thought yeah if he writes this book I would love to read it and pitched it to to dr sachs and he said i had an idea you do it and yeah. the next five years were consumed with doing it and finally got a first edition hardcover copy signed to him brought it to new york he lived for just a few more years after that but i can you're kind of hanging the whole thing on on that one statement that he made when he said you do it yeah uh, and so, so here we are 10 years later uh, we're still t- this idea, and you know, it's kind of funny. I, I hadn't thought of this, but when I pitched the idea to to publishers, one of the responses was, "Well, maybe this is a magazine article, and, right?" And I um, thought, "You maybe don't understand, you know, how large the intersection between the human mind and nervousness and the water planet could be." And indeed, it's been a, a much bigger conversation than. Right magazine article can hold.
1: And I think that everybody has experienced that. One of the things in your book, and by the way, if people are trying to find the book. I had to go online to get it for Christmas, people, because there's no copies left. You were on our show this year, and we were able to take some of the the tidbits of information that you were sharing with us. And, and some of the things you talked about were those physiological responses that actually happen to us when we are near water. And, and like you said, I think sometimes people don't realize the effects, but maybe you could walk through some of the things you found. Because I'm sure going into it, you were like, okay, water makes us feel good. I know it does does. And from a science perspective, I have some understanding, but there's actually some really, really profound things that happen to us when we get close to water. Right? Yeah, that's right. It sounds
0: on on the face of it sounds like a maybe a, a tweet, you know, not even a magazine article. It yeah, like a, you could summarize the whole thing in in a sentence. And when you start peeling away the layers and looking at it through our various senses, for example, which I do in the book, I break it up into all the senses and knowing that that's not how we work. We we experience all of our senses simultaneously, but to study it, you break them apart and then you put it back together. So when we step up to the water, visually, the world gets simpler. Normally in in our modern days, our visual world is pretty cluttered. We have screens, on those screens are many apps, lots of images images of everything. So when we get up to the water, we get we get some bandwidth back, but it also happens auditorily. So our lives are pretty fluttered auditorily. The soundscape can be pretty complex. You might have sirens and cars and traffic and voices if you're working in an office or dogs barking if you're working at home and people talking. And again, back to the electronics, maybe the electronics are emitting sounds and music. Um, so when you step up to the water, that, that field is simplified, the auditory field. And you get some of that bandwidth back. So now you've got these two big chunks of bandwidth. And then if you get in the water and float, somatically, you get some of that bandwidth back that your, your brain is not coordinating all of those muscles. Even if you're sitting in a chair, your brain's busy keeping you in that position. So now you're floating in the water, you got your eyes closed, or you're looking at the sky where you're floating on a surfboard, you get the auditory, the visual, and the somatic bandwidth back. And your brain doesn't just turn off and go to sleep. It just switches into this different mode, this different mind state that we call blue mind. And in that place, you get the ability to be more creative, uh, to reconnect, to pay attention, to be more mindful. The water really meditates us. So you can, you can even be anti-meditation, and the water will do it to you and for you. And that's what we see, that all the research related to mindfulness meditation applies to Blue Mind, even though you know, walking on the beach uh, isn't commonly referred to as meditation per se. Mm-hmm. It's very meditative. So you've got all of those benefits. Um, you throw in some exercise and you get the the physical and mental health benefits of exercise mixed in with the calming effect. And then, if you happen to be doing these things with someone you care about, you connect even more to them, which is a sort of medicine in itself. You know that reconnecting with the people around us, um, whether it's just a a better conversation, or perhaps you've gone to the water for something more ceremonial, um, an important conversation, or a vow, or a memorial, and so all those things are going on. And we we kind of undervalue that. We take it for granted. And when that happens, we undervalue the water. Uh, We undervalue that experience. And when that happens, we have problems typically. When we we undervalue nature, when we undervalue each other, we tend to commit
1: atrocities. We're talking with Dr. Wallace J. Nichols and discussing the transformative power of the blue mind. We'll be right back after the break nutrition exercise keeping the cold at bay whatever keeps you feeling great the wellness and healthy lifestyle show on your vocm welcome back we're here with dr wallace j nichols exploring the incredible benefits of the blue mind let's dive back into the conversation and I can think of all the times that you need a moment to think and you go stare at the water. I proposed to my wife by the ocean, right by her place. Too. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and I had a surgery and my biggest milestone was to walk down to the water and see it each day. And like, that was my thing. And, and again, like, that's probably why your book resonated so much with me. But that I think is something that is very common where we live. But when you talk about this meditative state that it forces you into, because you can't look away from it. It's almost like looking at a fire. And I think about fire, I think about red. You know, one of the things is our mind isn't always in that relaxed state. We need that help to trigger it. What are the challenges we're facing with our mindset today where everything seems to be bigger, faster, more important, louder, blinking, whatever? How do we sort of reverse that? Yeah, you know, we we did our first Blue Mind Summit uh, when I was
0: working on this book. And this guy, Dr. Michael Merzak, an eminent neuroscientist, he came and spoke. He actually gave it the, the closing talk, And I mentioned him several times throughout the Blue Mind book, but he said something that, that has stuck with me. So we're, we, we have a tendency to become addicted, whether it's to, to screens, to apps, to likes, to substances, uh, to exercise, to distraction. Um, we're not really going to lose that, but what we can do is harness that addiction as a force for good so if you create new patterns and new habits and harness that dopamine as a force for good so your new pattern could be i go down to the beach i go to the water every day i go to the water and i exercise i do the beach cleanup i take somebody with me Uh, i talk about this and and you kind of you can kind of harness that tendency and push it in a, a better direction so that's that's one one part of the answer Um, the other part of the answer is we as we start to practice blue mind and get used to it and you start seeing the benefits that flow from that versus a more red mind distracted anxious place uh, then those benefits are rewards and we start to gravitate towards that and again rewire uh, or reset our our minds and you know water is a pretty powerful way to do that in in all of its forms even if you're not near an ocean you can still access blue mind through the water that you do have
1: access to in your home but also out in the wild well that that leads you to a great segue into how can people get access to this feeling if they live, for example, in the prairies or somewhere that isn't surrounded by water. There, is it all water or is it a certain type of water? Like what type of water actually causes this impact in our physiology?
0: Well, I'm pretty ecumenical when it comes to water. So yes, all of it. Assuming you're comfortable. So if you if it's the water that's coming through your ceiling in a storm mm-hmm. or flooding your basement or washing away your community... That's not what we're talking about, right? No. So, speaker, that's more red mind, yeah. this direction. And so any water, really, it could be a bathtub. It could be watching the rain outside, uh, stomping around in puddles. It could be a creek, a river, a pond. People tend to think, oh, it, it, you can only get that feeling when you're standing at the edge of an ocean mm-hmm. or a great lake. But that's just not true. It turns out that uh, a recent research study came out I said, frequency is more important than size. Uh, Having regular trips to your water, whatever it is, is more important than uh, occasional trips to vast water or having a water view from your home. Mm. Uh, So taking regular trips, regular interactions, so that's the habit building aspect. So when I work with people and they say, well, I don't have access to water, First thing we do is pull up Google Maps yeah, and zoom out and they go, oh, there's a, oh, yeah. Oh, wait, look. Oh, there's a creek. There's a river. There's a pond. Uh, there's bodies of water. There are fountains in our cities and towns. There are urban waterfronts. And then you get into your house, you got maybe a bathtub, a shower, uh, maybe a, a, a soaking tub or a spa tub on your porch or on your deck. Maybe your neighbor has one that you can jump in, swimming pools, public pools or swim clubs. Then we're getting down into it. Yeah. Even virtual water art. I bet there's some beautiful water art in your home. There certainly is in mine. And in part thanks to you <laughs> for that gift that you sent. And, you know, that that artwork gives you a little bit of a blue mind. And if you use it that way, it it kind of works. So Photography, painting, sculpture, music, poetry, and prose, songs about water, really, uh, recordings of water, just the sound of water, they work and
1: they help. You just got me there because, I mean, in Newfoundland, music is, huge. Like we have a huge arts community where we're from and there's so many songs about the water. There's been a lot of tragedies of water but the water has brought us a livelihood with fishing and it just surrounds us in everything we do. And one thing that's really unique about where we live is the majority of artwork work in people's homes is of our area where we live because we live in such a beautiful part of the world. And so all those things are really resonating. And now I'm going to put my scientist hat on so you can put yours on here too. And for people that look think about this anecdotally, it totally makes sense. I'm sure they're completely agreeing with it, but there are specific physiological responses that occur to us when we get near water. What are some of the things that happen to our physiology specifically in your research you found?
0: Yeah. So what we've seen is that our our breathing rate slows. We have, well, we have something called the the mammalian dive reflex, which is people are becoming more interested in because they're jumping in cold water. That's become a a phenomenon, open water swimming and cold plunging. But what we see is everything that suggests that your your body and your mind is calming down, the, f- the physiological representations of that are notable and measurable. So heart rate slow, getting rate slow, skin temperature drops, even when looking at a body. Right? So we see the neurological responses, we see the, the, the more common physical, easily measured heart rate. But if you take somebody's saliva, you'll see cortisol levels will drop after practicing a mouth of a blue mind. There's also a great body of, of work on the science of awe and wonder. And it turns out this feeling we call awe changes our bodies and minds as well, and sets us up to be more pro-social, more empathetic and more compassionate. Fascinating, right? So back to the art, if nature is the number one source of awe, and art and music, make nature portable now we can take that experience of the water nature of wildlife and take it with us Mm -hmm. and so music and art and prose make that awe that nature provides more portable and we can wrap it around our lives we can hang it on our walls we can make sure we get little shots of it little reminders throughout the day. Turn off the TV and just turn on some water. Ideally, the ones that you recorded with your device when you were at the water, because those seem to be the ones that resonate the most. Right. Um, Generic water sounds are great in a bench or somebody else's recording. Could be beautiful, but there's something about the photo that you took or the painting that you made or the poem that you wrote or the recording that you made at the beach that when you go lean on it, it brings you right back there in a, in a bigger way and um, more emotional balance. They say.
1: That's, inter- that's interesting. I can believe that too, because the memory is somewhere in your mind and you're just tapping into the feeling and the wind and the breeze and the and the sound and everything else when it comes through. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense for me too. And the other thing that I found really interesting in your work is that water doesn't have to be in the form of the lake or whatever. It can be snow. It can be rain. It can be other ways we experience it. And, and we definitely know about snow in this part of the world or yeah, icebergs right. or things like that, you know? And and there is that sense of ah that comes with that. And I think that people undervalue that because, you know, we see the cold weather, we're like, ah, geez, snow, no good. But every time we go out in the snow, I always feel personally I feel a lot better. And and I think that might have something to do with the blue mud. Absolutely. Yeah. So the the color of the water and the
0: state of the water being solid, liquid or vapor, all inclusive. If you say well our our pond is a little green yes that's absurd. and and if you say the water is white because it's frozen well that's blue mind too because it's water it's this you know that's the theme and we call it blue mind because it's a good name but but clouds fog ice snow and flowing water in liquid form are all potential sources and, and it's not just you know i got to make a trip to a tropical ocean somewhere and go surfing, it's you could walk walk out your door to that bridge that you cross on your way to work every day and stand on the bridge and just look down at the water for a little while. And like you said, go for a hike in the snow and you're gonna come back feeling pretty good. And there's
1: something about that interaction with the water that enhances the experience. We're talking with Dr. Wallace J. Nichols and discussing the transformative power of the blue mind. We'll be right back after the break. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The cabin party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Wallace J. Nichols exploring the incredible benefits of the blue mind. Let's dive back into the conversation. We know that psychologically it's going to make a difference. You know, it's having an effect physiologically. We briefly touched on exercise, but when we think about exercising in on underwater, that is going to offer even more benefits for individuals, is it not? Yeah. So I see people in the gym
0: and they're just stressing their bodies and their faces in a screen and they're stressing their minds because they're watching maybe bad news or something stressful. And I think... Yeah, know, well, you just move your exercise to the edge of the water and see so it's got these trails that follow rivers or lakes or go along waterfronts. That's one way to do it. Take your, your run in a park around a lake, that's going to actually make it more fun, more interesting, make you want to do it more probably, but also relaxes your mind while you're stressing your body, which is a, a good thing to do. But then when you get in the water water adds this whole level of resistance that air doesn't have, and all of a sudden you're getting a better workout. So swimmers are in great shape, surfers are in great shape, and you don't have to swim laps or paddle a surfboard. You can just move your body in the water. I knew a guy who used to walk laps around the edge of a pool, mm-hmm. and he, had, he knew exactly how far he'd walked. And he said he gets literally a 10 times better workout in less time than walking or jogging on land, and it relaxes his mind while he does it, and he loves it, so he never dreads it. Wow, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. And also I think about, you know, like seniors and joints and things like this is such a safe way for them to get activity, be around other people, be able to get that exercise in a way that you don't have to about falling or anything like the impact. And, and so there's benefits to that. But another way that exercise in the water has been really, really powerful, and this is one of the things I saw in New Zealand, but there's lots of ways people do it, is using it as a therapeutic modality where exercise, the water, and therapy are all combined together to really make a difference in people that are struggling with different sorts of issues Uh, you you must have run into that a ton in your work yeah all the time and why wouldn't you want to get
0: that that double benefit if you can and and you know the the injury avoidance is is really important especially for people as they age but i I know a lot of athletes it's elite athletes that have moved a lot of their training into the water just to reduce the possibility of the risk of injury during training. And so, obviously, there are certain sports and skills that you can't train for all the time in the water. But remarkable what you can do um, with a deep end and a shallow end and some some weights and some hand paddles, you can you can really move your body in lots of different directions And reduce the possibility of throwing something out uh, and interfering with your season and sidelining you. So we see it in both aging folks, but also in elite athletes. And that means there's room for all of us in between there. I'm not an elite athlete, but I, I love working out in the water. Try to do it
1: every day, you know. Cool. Yeah, Michael Jordan rehabbed his ankle second year into this career in the water almost exclusively, and he was back in in no time. And when I also think about the impacts of water, I think that the ocean and the natural elements of water in particular, whether it be ice or snow or trekking or things like this, it, it offers a challenge to us. Is that why it's used when it comes to helping people overcome challenges in their life. Like think back to like the Restoke program that I visited when I was in New Zealand that used surf therapy and, and said life is like the ocean. Sometimes it's big and angry and sometimes it's calm and smooth. Is there a bit of a metaphor that all of us can relate to when we see how it changes, you know, depending on the day? If it were easy,
0: it probably wouldn't work as
1: well. So we can't breathe underwater. Um,
0: big, forceful water requires a uh, skill set. And the process of acquiring those skills can be part of the therapy. What we see with veterans and first responders and people dealing with post-traumatic stress is that part of the process is learning and getting better and overcoming that challenge and feeling empowered and feeling strong, especially in veterans, because sometimes they've come from a, a place where, well, they had they had these big expensive resources and it, there was constant challenges. And so learning to surf and learning to dive provides that camaraderie, but it provides a never ending challenge. There's always a bigger wave. There's always a, a new place to dive with challenging conditions and and the water is unforgiving uh, in those environments sometimes. So there's a there's a tension there that I think really works for different kinds of therapies, whether it's pre-diving and, and surfing and even paddling whitewater, water kayaking. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, I can believe that completely. And the other thing that's really interesting is that you were the the first person to write a book specifically on this topic. But there are other forms of literature that have alluded to this, it's almost like this inherent knowing that it is good for us and that it does heal people. And I think about like, you know, what what is something he turns to for literature that helps them heal? are like spiritual texts. But when I went to New Zealand, I saw the Maori people completely immerse themselves in the philosophy that water is all powerful when it comes to healing. How have spiritual traditions sort of taken this into account?
0: Yeah, I would say you can't really overstate that. Every spiritual tradition, every cultural tradition, uh, every sacred text refers to this idea. Of course, you know, hydration and hygiene, but every sacred text and tradition will spot on discuss that water is medicine. Water is there before our, our minds, our bodies, our hearts, and our souls. Um, In the Judeo-Christian tradition, I'll give you an example: the 23rd Psalm, which some people are familiar with. That's the one that starts the "I walk through the valley of the shadow of death." So, to me, that's a bad day—the valley of the shadow of death. Red mind—that's pure red mind. Goes on to say, uh, King James three thousand years ago wrote this song that said, "You know, if, if you're having a bad day, a bad week, a bad month." get down to the edge of the water it will soothe your soul that's what it says a thousand years ago so fill in every other culture every other spiritual tradition has a similar if not more developed take on blue mind and so what we're doing over here and you know in this in the 2020s is saying yes and that is all true and powerful and has always been true Here's the science to remind us for those who need it and let's practice it. Let's not roll our eyes at those wisdom traditions. That would be dumb. Let's embrace them. And if you need the science here, it is read up and then let's turn it into something that looks like a practice that we can enjoy. So there are personal benefits. There are social benefits. It's good for ourselves. It's good for the people we care about. But then that extends to, it's actually good for the water itself when we update the value equation, the broken value equation, where we've undervalued water, we've undervalued each other. And this thing, blue mind, helps with both of those things. Uh, yeah, you, You've probably seen this this situation where you leave everything you put on your shorts and you get in the water nobody knows what you drive what you live in what how fancy or whatever is or it's a it's humbling that's good
1: that's really good for humans to be humbled in that way we're talking with dr wallace j nichols and discussing the transformative power of the blue mind we'll be right back after the break Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Wallace Shea Nichols exploring the incredible benefits of the Blue Mind. Let's dive back into the conversation. I just got back from Morocco where water is becoming scarce, right? And there are efforts, they're very environmentally conscious. They're trying to make a difference in that. But when you look around the world, water is becoming one of the most valuable resources in the world for people because it's so essential to life. How does gaining an appreciation for what water is doing for us change our attitude towards it? And how does that fuel things like environmentalism and taking care of our waterways?
0: Yeah, you know, you you can argue that, our, that the club of people who are part of the movement to protect and restore wild places is too small, and the budget is too small like one could easily make that argument, so how do we make it more important because we we know that if if we lose nature we, we lose the whole shebang really depend on the environment for our lives, so how do we get more people to care more and vote more and act more and volunteer more and even donate more and be part of the save the planet club well part of it is telling a better story and the story that you're a bad human and it's your fault and we're all going to die is not a good story we've been trying that one bombarding people with factoids doesn't necessarily help some people are into that but most people aren't when you touch people's hearts and you say you know that that lake there that we want to get back into healthy shape that's where you grew up making your best memories. That's where you proposed to your spouse. That's where you held that important ceremony. That's where you said goodbye to your father for the last time and spread their ashes. That's where you will possibly go and have the best moments with your children and your grandchildren. That is a source of creativity and peace and freedom and dignity and courage and compassion in your life and always has been. Well, that's it pretty darn good story, but then you can say, and the people in your community who serve you, the first responders, they need that lake to be healthy, because that's where they go on shift of running towards danger on our behalf, and they need that, and that's where our teachers need to go, and the nurses, they need to go there and restore themselves so they don't burn out and quit, and they're part of your community, and so that's a pretty powerful story to tell about that lake in your backyard or that river or, or the coastline. And I think it's a... Not only is it powerful and useful, it's accurate. And it's based in science. And if we start teaching that to kids from kindergarten all the way through, and we start teaching it in college, and we start teaching it in nursing school, and we start teaching it to environmental scientists, but also we start teaching the health practitioners. I think it's massively transformative and will help us heal, but will help us heal the planet. And we need that. We need both of those things pretty badly right now. I think we can all kind of be in agreement that we have an emotional health crisis simultaneously with environmental problems that are coming at us pretty fast. And if this can help, even in, one percent, it's worth doing. So,
1: I believe it's, uh, it's going to be more than one percent too. Yeah, I agree. And the people who will be listening to this particular in my area, we are in the utopia when it comes to getting your blue mind. And I know you have a term for this, yeah. but if you if people are listening right here, okay, and they're they're intrigued and they're like, yes, I do feel better when I go near the water. I haven't been doing it lately. I have made time for whatever silly reason it is tell us how we can start to get a blue scription each day into our life yeah the
0: great thing about a blue scription is i can give you one you can give me one you can give yourself one you can make one for your each of your family members and friends or your team your staff your company uh, so whatever unit you want to work with and basically it's the idea is to take those forms of water the wild water the domestic water, the urban water, the virtual water, and imaginary water, or memories of water. And make a list of the things you can do. Just go crazy. Just brainstorm and make a big, giant list of 100 different ways you can interact with all of those forms of water. And then go down that list and circle the ones that you think you're most likely to do and pull those out. And then endeavor to do those things. I like to say 23 minutes five times a week, because that adds up to 100 hours a year, which is completely doable when you, when you think bath time, shower time, a mindful bath, listening to the sound of water, um, listening to water-related music with that intention, walking along the water, doing all the water sports you may like, getting out in the snow, full plunge, just a big list of things you can do, and endeavoring to do those as often as you can, really. I used the number 23 because the 23rd letter of the alphabet is a W for water, but just a little sticky idea. Um, and that's your blue scription. And so challenge yourself to get out there and, and do something like that every day. Make it fun. Make it social. Do it with the people you love. Do the things you love doing. And then add in the, the challenging parts as you go along. And be pretty much guaranteed it'll make your life better and if you're already doing those things then it, this is just your your friendly reminder
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah keep keep at it keep going you're doing great yeah. That, that hunch you had was actually right. And that's how I found you. And I found your book was that it was this hunch. I knew it was doing something to me. I wanted to learn more about it. And that's the thing for people that want to learn more, that want to read your book, tell us how we can find your book. How, how can they follow you on social media? How can they get connected to that community? Yeah. I'm easy to
0: find my full name, Wallace J. Nichols. Uh, it's a- Start everywhere on on all the different platforms I would suggest that you just do a search for the phrase blue mind in quotes plus whatever else you're into so if you're into surfing add that word in there if you're into cold plunge add that in there uh, if you're into float tanks add that in there if you're into rivers or lakes and you'll find practitioners You'll find research, you'll find cool articles and videos. They don't all live in one place. They're, they're kind of spread all over the place at this point because people have taken this idea and kind of turned it into a movement. And so, you know, there are nonprofits in Morocco who use Blue Mind and there's an art gallery in Nova Scotia called the Blue Mind Art Gallery. There is. Um, Yeah. And so you can go in there and pick up a nice piece of artwork that will remind you of your blue mind and put it prominently in your home and thank them and the artists for, for that gift. I would just say, go exploring this idea. My website's kind of like my locker. I put a lot of things in there. You, you're welcome to go poke around in my locker as well.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, you know, I, I could literally pick your brain all day long. You know, I love this topic. Uh, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Because we've talked about a lot of stuff, but I'm sure you've got a message you want to leave us with.
0: Yeah, you know, two quick things. One is my goal in my life is to make this idea common knowledge and common practice, meaning everybody knows this and can practice it. And by everybody, I mean 8.1 billion people. So it's an audacious goal. It's a, a big effort with a lot of people who are working on it. And the other thing I want to say is we all know someone, you may be nodding along and saying, "I, I understand this and I do it. It's good to be reminded, but we all know someone who's really stuck and they would really benefit from this idea. And they'd really benefit if they went with you to your water. So. That's what I'd like to end with is we all know somebody. We know where they're sitting right now. We know where they live. We know their name. We know the color of the couch that they're glued to. We may know why they're in that stuck place, in that red mind, gray mind burnout. Go we'll get them. Grab, take them by the hand and say, hey, we're going to go get some blue mind. Just come. And then just go and jump in the water or plow through the snow in your boots or take a cold plunge or take a trip somewhere or just do, do it and it might, it might save their life. It might make their life a lot better and lead them out of that, that gray place. And I see that all the time. And there's so much need right now in the world for all kinds of reasons. People are burning out. So go, yeah. You know, the plus one idea, you know, just go find someone, you know, take care of yourself and then bring somebody with you.
1: I love it. And it's so nice when you've got somebody like yourself who's using their education and their experience for good. This book really made an impact on me. I know it's impacted a lot of people that I care about in my life. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for being so generous with your time and for joining me today on the radio. I I really, really appreciate it.
0: I appreciate everything
1: you're doing over there as well. And thank you for including me in, in this idea. I wanna thank Dr. Nichols for joining us today. It's been a really interesting conversation that's resonated with me on a personal level, as I'm sure it has for you too. We've gained valuable insights into the incredible impact that water has on our emotional, psychological, and overall wellness. It's valuable to know that being near, in, on, or underwater can significantly enhance our lives because it's something that's readily available to us here in Newfoundland and Labrador. We're surrounded by the ocean, lakes, ponds, and streams that shape our daily experiences, and now we know they can shape our health. For those of you interested in learning more about the Blue Mind and the wellness benefits of water, I encourage you to check out Dr. Nichols' website, wallacejnichols.org. There you can find resources, research, and ways to integrate Blue Mind practices into your own life and enhance your connection with water and improve your own well-being. His book is also a must-read and is available at all major bookstores and online. Thanks for tuning in and exploring topics that touch our lives here in Newfoundland and beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Wall Show on your VOCF.